Good afternoon, friends. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show. You are going to be absolutely stunned by what you'll see on the show today because I'm going to bring you back for back to the past to bring you forward to today this week. The media is still lying about January 6th, even after their violent insurrection narrative is dead, dead, dead. In light of Tucker Carlson's reveal of the once secret House videos putting that violent insurrection narrative to rest, and I'm on vacation this week, I'm re-releasing my interview with the great Julie Kelly of AM Greatness from last year. Why, you ask? Because you will be shocked, stunned, no, not really, to see how the media and uniparty members like McConnell and Schumer are still lying about January 6th. Every J6 political prisoner case should likely be thrown out at this point considering the unethical behavior of the judges, FBI agents, and prosecutors. I would say enjoy it, but you won't enjoy this because you'll see they're still doing it even more than a year later. I'll see you next week on The Rob Mena Show. The political right, Julie Kelly, is my guest this week. Julie, welcome to The Rob Mena Show. How are you? I'm great, Rob. Thank you and uh, looking forward to talking with you. Well, I know my audience will be excited to uh, hear from you because many of them are your followers and uh, as am I. Uh, I'll just admit it up front in all transparency. I'm a fan of Ms. Kelly, and uh, I really, but more importantly, I really appreciate your work and what you you're doing for America. Congrats on your book. Uh, it's a it's a great uh, achievement. Uh, not a lot of folks can do that. I've never done it, and uh, would love to someday. So it's one of my goals. But, great. But uh, uh, and I'm assuming it's on Amazon and everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's available on Amazon. Uh, it's also available at my publisher's website. That is um, Post Hill Bombardier mm-hmm. Books, and also I think Barnes and Noble too. So okay, probably not the bookstore, okay, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, let's dive right into this. Uh, starting with the January sixth fiasco, uh, the. Uh, you, I've been following you for a long time. I've written about the politicization of the intelligence agencies uh, long before this, as, as we were finding out about what was happening with Donald Trump uh, and his candidacy and then his presidency. But, but these, these events were uh, what looked like protests gone awry to mm-hmm. the public. Uh, but you've done a lot of detailed work on this, and what have you found from, and I mentioned it in my intro, what have you found from the participation perspective of law enforcement and undercover agents and informants, paid informants, in initiating this and planning it? Well, Rob, <clears throat> let's start with, let's sort of separate out the categories. So the law on the ground that day that we know of were U.S. Capitol Police and D.C. Metro Police. They were, they are responsible for protecting the Capitol and the surrounding property, the grounds. What happened, Rob, that day is that U.S. Capitol Police, for the first time in its history, as one uh, officer testified during a trial a few weeks ago, 
for the first time in their history, they used non-lethal munitions against the crowd of protesters outside the building. Now, what this did, Rob, it wasn't to fend off this bloodthirsty armed mob of Trump supporters who wanted to hang Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence. No, what they did was started attacking the crowd about 1.15, 1.20 that day, shortly after the joint session convened to debate the certification of the Electoral College. They were throwing flashbangs into the crowd, which is like, some people call it like a stun grenade. When it hits the ground, I'm sure you're familiar with this, your expertise in intelligence. Um, And it emits this loud bang and loud, um, uh, bright flash of light. You had Capitol Police using these sort of air rifles that deployed pepper balls into the crowd. So people were getting hit with these balls that then emitted some sort of um, chemical uh, fumes, chemical spray. Uh, D.C. Metro Police were using sting balls that when it hit the ground released uh, rubber bullets. That's why you saw some people bleeding because they've been hit in the face with these rubber bullets. Now, keep in mind, Rob, these are people who are not doing anything wrong. They are lawfully assembled outside the building, which they later found out had been restricted. So many people have been charged with um, trespassing on uh, grounds. But that is what prompted a lot of the physical confrontations that you see in these little clips between police and protesters. The media and the Democrats want to portray the police as victims. But really what they were were the first really set of instigators uh, that prompted some of the violent clashes that we saw that day. And I do explain a lot of that in my book as well. So so let's let's talk timeline here. Uh, it was the Capitol Police and D.C. Metro Police that initiated using mm-hmm. uh, force against mm-hmm. the protesters, not the protesters trying to break into the building and uh, push the Capitol Police around or beat them up and those kind of things. Well, what happened shortly before this ha- this occurred when um, police started throwing munitions, we still have a lot of questions about this. Um, the first so-called breach of the exterior, so they had the mm-hmm. whole grounds they said were restricted. So some people may have seen this video. You see a man named Ryan Samsel right before one o'clock approach four or five Capitol Police. They've got these bike racks set up. The person who whispers in Ray, in um, Ryan Samsel's ear is Ray Epps, who I'm mm-hmm. sure we can talk about a little bit too. Yeah. After Ray Epps whispers in Samsel's ear, he knocks over the set of these metal racks. And then a bunch of people uh, go up the stairs and uh, towards the west side <clears throat> of the Capitol. That was really technically the first, and that is when there were some confrontations. Now, those were the Proud Boys. We know that there were informants in that group. We don't know mm-hmm. how, how many. But uh, this happened right as Trump was still speaking. So the idea that people left Trump's speech, they came to the Capitol, they breached the grounds, and they confronted police isn't true because his speech wrapped up at 1.10. This initial breach... Ryan Samsel obviously was not at the president's speech. This initial breach of some of these, I don't know what you would call them, protesters, uh, agitators, uh, informants, et cetera, um, happened while the president was still speaking. The people who were right there until 2 o'clock shortly thereafter was uh, almost two miles away. 
a big crowd of people. Mm -hmm. You know, people are kind of lingering. They're trying to walk there. It's very crowded, et cetera. So the idea that people left Trump's speech, went there and attacked the Capitol, of course, is not true either. Um, were there some people who acted badly that day? Yes, there were. There was, there was this mob mentality. They saw police attacking the uh, crowd. Um, of course, at 2.45, they learned that a woman had been shot and killed inside the building. Two other men had suffered cardiac arrest around 2 o'clock that day, so they saw these people being dressed. So this all sort of fomented um, the, this, uh, this sort of outrage. Plus, they really weren't sure what was happening inside the building. Everyone who I've talked to complained that they had no cell service. They did not know that the joint session had been adjourned. They certainly did not know, most of them, that the building was off limits because, of course, as you know, Rob, and now we have plenty of video to show it, and, and testimony under oath, uh, the Capitol Police officers let hundreds of people inside the building. So yeah. these are just a few of the conflicting narratives related to what happened that day. So question for you, and I, this is one of the things that's not been clear uh, is that uh, I believe, and this is my opinion, that the restricting of the area happened after people were already inside the, not inside the building, but the, the area that they're charging people with trespassing into and parading into that's outside the building. Is that correct, or did they declare that just not mark it uh, before <laughs> anything happened? It definitely was after the fact. So as you had hundreds of people going into this building, talking to police officers, Capitol Police are standing right there. In one case, open the door, let hundreds of people inside. Mm -hmm. They're chit-chatting inside the building. Yeah. No one is being tackled and arrested. There's no announcement made that the building grounds are off limits because as you know, Rob, if they would have told these people, these Trump supporters or any Americans, this building is off limits, they would have left. Um, but that was yeah. not the case. So afterwards, the government declared the Capitol grounds had been restricted because, uh, well, this is Buzzy Harris. And Mike Pence were inside. So technically, Kamala Harris was inside the building. So Mike Pence is a little bit shaky, too. But you're right. It was definitely of charges related to restricted access or restricted grounds idea that it was off limits that day yeah and you mentioned uh, the whereabouts of Harris and Pence and why that's important folks is that uh, is that Americans are being charged uh, with being in that area and that area was established because so-called uh, the location of protected people by the Secret Service uh, was there uh, in some place, and, and they do that uh, in order to uh, clear the area and those kinds of things. But as you mentioned, I don't think I think Kamala Harris was in a holding position over at the DNC headquarters, which is also another another interesting fact because the the her team, her security team, uh, supposedly did they find the DNC pipe bomb, or they missed it when they when they cleared the area. And somebody else um, well presumably they must have missed this device right rob because mm -hmm. we have been told by the fbi that these devices were for outside of both the dnc headquarters and our quarters now these headquarters 
are a few blocks away on the east side of the Capitol. They're close to each other. So we have seen this grainy video, right, of the guy with, we never see him actually planting any bombs. He's just carrying some bag. Um, yeah. So planted the bombs. So Kamala Harris left the Capitol around 11, 11.30 on January 6th and went to DNC headquarters of course, the Secret Service would have conducted some kind of security sweep. So did they miss this? How could they have? It was right there, the photograph that we've seen that is allegedly there, right there by some bench. How did they miss it? But Rob, the story of the pipe bombs themselves is super sketchy. As you know, now we're here almost 16 months later, no one has been identified, arrested, or charged with planting the pipe bombs. There's a lot of uh, odd coincidences about the woman who allegedly found the pipe bombs. She works for an agency that is tied to the FBI. So um, that in itself is a very sketchy story. Um, and of course, the media, like everything, has completely lost interest in uh, who would have set those pipe bombs and how they got overlooked by the Secret Service, if that was the case. Yeah, and uh, folks, just so you understand how incredible this is, 16 months later, uh, mm -hmm. It is impossible to build a, an explosive device without leaving DNA traces, touch DNA traces, uh, mm -hmm. without uh, uh, leaving a trail of where you got the components uh, of that device and how, how they were purchased. So there ought to have been some at least uh, uh, arrests made uh, at this point, and I think one of the videos even shows the individual, the suspected individual, uh, holding a cell phone. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, it is just absolutely incredible that no one has been arrested or even brought under suspicion uh, and named a person of interest uh, in these nope. two pipe bombs. And uh, as a former bomb disposal technician myself, it's appalling that there's somebody out there walking around, whether it's a person working for the government uh, mm -hmm. that was doing playing a role in the government or uh, what's even worse, a potential terrorist that uses improvised explosive devices to, uh, to uh, attack American citizens. Well, Rob, if I can just point out, and you are right, and this is why I think that the pipe bomb is another hoax, is this all happened in a crucial 15-minute period right before the joint session convened. So at around the same time that uh, law enforcement was alerted about this pipe bomb was the same time that this breach I just talked about. So this is what set up the panic that day. So as soon as there was a report to the Capitol Police, who we know are bad actors, dishonest actors, uh, now are mm -hmm. spying on Republican lawmakers and staff, donors, constituents, under the guise of capital intelligence. Um, so these are Nancy Pelosi's. This is her own little secret service. Allegedly, this woman who reported the police, this happened around the same time this breach happened, which uh, panic, the media found out about pipe bombs. They ordered the evacuation of things that were nearby, one more time to set a panic that something horrible was about to happen. This indeed was one of the things that, you know, prompted the, the, the panic that day. 
that we've seen in the FBI videos had a cell. The FBI has been using um, what they call the cell cloning. I can't can't think of the reference mm -hmm. to collect higher city of Washington D.C. the day before and on January 6th. You're telling me they can't identify. They have patient the person they have a time on the fifth they can identify who this person is i mean come on we don't even know if the guy in the is actually allegedly the pipe bomber so we know that this fbi cannot be trusted we know that for a fact we know that they too the capitol police act as a law enforcement uh, arm of the democratic party so we need to keep pushing for answers about the pipe bomb because if it indeed is exposed as another hoax then that shreds a whole major aspect of what we were supposed to believe about January 6th. Yeah, and the media is completely ignoring this. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, it, it, uh, it, 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 it blows my mind. As somebody who served this country in the military for over 30 years, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I just cannot imagine. It's hard for me to understand that this is happening, but it really is happening. Uh, and, uh, and, and the January 6th committee that was set up by Pelosi and doesn't have any real Republican uh, leaders that are on the other side on it, mm -hmm. it's not looking at anything like I would be looking at the communications between Pelosi and McConnell's office and the U.S. Capitol Police mm -hmm. to see where the failures were and why they weren't more prepared because it was out there that there was a potential for uh, for uh, a disturbance at a minimum, uh, and, and it was as if, well, as if they ignored it and, and chose to do other things. Now, we know, I think, that uh, the uh, both the uh, uh, sergeants-at-arms in the House and mm -hmm. the Senate uh, mentioned, I believe, in their test, some testimony somewhere that, that, that they had brought it up uh, to use the National Guard, and it was just, like bad optics is what the answer came back from. But mm -hmm. nobody, there's no documentation that shows what happened in that decision-making process. Uh, and they're not even looking at it. Nobody is looking at the real issues uh, as to how we got to where uh, we were on that day, but also how we are where we are today, where we have, I believe still over 70 political prisoners mm -hmm. uh, in prison, most of them in solitary confinement, mm -hmm. uh, being treated very badly in at least the D.C. Gulag, the, the D.C. Metro Jail, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and they're political prisoners, you know, and we have judges that are both Republican and Democrat mm -hmm. appointees that are that are uh, not allowing them to be out and, and wait for their trials and the trials are being pushed back and, uh, and those kind of things. Uh, and all this time, nobody's tried to figure out where the failures were so it can't happen again inside the capital system, the protection system, because we do want our lawmakers, whether we like them or not, to be able to operate uh, safely and securely, but that's not the case. So, Rob, um, one thing on what you were talking about, the sergeant in arms. So the Donald Trump is not responsible for protecting the U.S. Capitol building or the surrounding grounds. Um, that is the job of the U.S. Capitol Police. Stephen Sund, who at the time was the chief of police 
of the Capitol Police Force, busted numerous times, January 4th and January 5th, went to the U.S. Capitol Police Board, which is the governing body. That includes the Sergeant at Arms for the House, who worked for Nancy Pelosi, and also the Sergeant at Arms for the Senate, who worked for Mitch McConnell. That board denied Steve Sun's request for extra, for extra to authorize guardsmen to be on the ground that day. Unfolded that afternoon. All desperately, both, both Paul Irving and Michael Stenner, who is the Sergeant for uh, the Senate, Mitch McConnell, begging them for extra him. McConnell, Sergeant at Arms, uh, said, oh, you know, hold on, maybe we'll get Mitch McConnell. We'll see if we can authorization from the Defense Department, which they had never told him before. This was all in delay and drag out additional help guardsmen who was at the armory at 6 a.m. on January 6th with at least a thousand other guardsmen. And he said, we sat there all day until we were finally deployed around five o'clock. Well, of course, most of everything had already uh, was over by then. So when they arrived yeah. at the Capitol around 5.40, everything was over. So the question is, Rob, again, all the unanswered questions. Why did the Capitol Police Board specifically deny uh, requests by the police chief for more help? Why did Muriel Bowser also deny offers of guardsmen that day? She only authorized about 317 that day to help with traffic. I mm -hmm. talked to people who were both at the Stop the Steel rallies, the Million MAGA March in November, Stop the Steel rally in December in DC. They said the place was crawling with law enforcement everywhere. What they found so odd, there was no law enforcement presence anywhere. The people who were walking the ellipse down Constitution Avenue to uh, the Capitol, they said, we didn't see police officers anywhere. Now, what does that tell you? It tells hmm. you that they were in cahoots to specifically keep these areas unprotected. They did not want thousands of National Guardsmen there to tell DC Metro Police, hey, why are you throwing sting balls and rubber bullets at these people? They're just standing outside. They had their marching orders, believe that Mitch McConnell, and I have an article about this, was in on it. No one wanted the events of January 6th, the proceedings in Congress that day, shut down more than Mitch McConnell. The dirty little secret about January 6th is it wasn't Trump supporters and Republicans, not including Mitch McConnell, uh, who wanted those proceedings shut down. It was people like Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, all of the Democrats, because what was going to happen that day, as you know, were Republican demands, about 14 Republican senators working with their House colleagues to demand an election audit commission yep. to delay the certification 10 days. Uh, what would have happened that day? All of America was watching. They were going to have hours of election fraud in being states. Well, Mitch McConnell, he wanted this all shut down. So did Nancy Pelosi. So, of course, the insurrection uh, gifted them. And senators came back and they bailed on this plan to auction audit. So that's the dirty little When you start putting the cat, help but think, but, but believe that this was of a magnitude we have never seen in American political history an anti-Trump 
Mitch McConnell exactly what they wanted. Yeah, and it's really become uh, a domestic war on on terrorism that is focused on political opposition uh, of those that are in power, which in, right now happens to be the Democrats. But it's not just the Democrat Party people. It's it's the establishment. I call it the Uniparty, the power brokers in the capital of the United States of America. And in all the state capitals, there are many, many establishments in the state capitals. They are the power brokers, and they work together, uh, in my opinion. And how, can, how do you think we can get to the truth on this matter? Because I, I agree with you. Uh, I believe that there are too many open questions I believe that Mitch McConnell was involved, and we have enough documentation to show that by the lack of defense uh, of the Capitol uh, complex uh, that was there. I mean, it, I mean, really, when you look at it, it wasn't that many people on the and, and the violence was only on the west side of the Capitol, from what right. I can understand, and that's where the munitions were being used by the officers, uh, and where people were really getting angry. According mm -hmm. to witnesses that I've talked to, the east side was fairly calm. Uh, so where do we go from here to find out what the facts are? Because if the facts are similar to what you, you've uncovered and seen, we've seen in the Whitmer case and the trials have now uncovered in those uh, mm -hmm. uh, accused where two were acquitted and, and two went, had a hung jury, uh, because of this entrapment defense that was able to be presented. Where do we go from here to try to find out the truth of who all the actors were and why uh, and, uh, and hold the system accountable? So that's a great question. And it's one that I get all of the time is going to be very interesting is to see what is produced January 6th committee cover going to be a very telling sign so the committee are holding a series of eight public starting next month be involved in those hearings what will they cover what are they going to discuss they also are going to produce some sort of report in September and this will be the setup for legislation to make sure there's never an insurrection again which of course will criminalize continue to criminalize pol political speech and political activity. That's what it will do. Um, but what they won't cover will be telling. Did the committee uh, interview FBI Director Christopher Wray and talk to him and get information about how many undercover agents and informants were involved before and on January 6th? We can't get answers about that, even though we know that there were undercover agents and informants in the crowd and informants who infiltrated groups like the Proud Boys months before January 6th. So will the committee address that? The answer, I'm sure, will be no. The pipe bombs we will talk about, will they ex explore or even address uh, how those devices allegedly got there? They talk about or release 14,000 hours of surveillance video that was captured by Capitol Police security cameras between noon and eight o'clock on January 6th. You know, the, this is a huge trove of video that would show the American people exactly what happened inside and outside the Capitol building that day. If this event is comparable to 9-11, 
Oklahoma City bombing. It is a domestic terror attack that we've, the likes of which we haven't seen in 20 years. Then why won't they release that video? All of it is under protective orders if it's being used in these criminal cases of the government. Watch the rest of this interview on Red Voice Media Premium using the link below. Completely uncensored and ad-free. Not a member yet? Try it for $1.